0: In Irary, Snowdonia, National Theatre Wales, along with Natural Resources Wales, hosted a two-week-long international artist residency in response to climate change, called Egin. As part of the proceedings, they curated four events, Skurshai South, climate conversations. They brought the resident artists together with musicians and specially invited provocateurs to share local and global perspectives along with anyone from the local community who fancied it. The climate conversations happened in an outdoor centre, in a carpeted room with a panelled ceiling and large windows that looked out onto a disused ski slope at the foot of Munadhaidharari, Snowdonia's mountains. Before the events could be set up, we often had to wait for children who had been canoeing or orienteering to pick up their coats and bags and empty crisp packets. Each evening, the room looked and felt completely different put together by Lindsay Corburn, a facilitator and artist who hosted and produced the events collaboratively. Land, money, rebellion, hope. Podcasts like this often pose a question and then answer it. This is not what will happen here. Like the events they came from, this is about creating a space to share knowledge and thoughts and raise questions. And what happens next is up to all of us. Rebellion, Gurth Ravel.
1: A lot of my life has been about acts of rebellion. But the most rebellious thing was the realization at a very young age that things didn't have to be like this. We can make it different. And that for me was like totally life-changing. And it wasn't done in isolation. I was very lucky. Came across some amazing women who'd been involved in struggle who said, the things that you're doing, you should read about this. I'm like, wow, there are other people doing this. And it was, it was like somebody had put on a light and said, shit, there's an incredible history of rebellion. That's the real story. You know, it's not this story of kings and queens. This is the real story. And, and we're a little cog in it. I think because acts, yeah, you know, like I've done school strikes and walkouts and led things and fought the fascists physically, did all of what I would say are what most people would say are physical or acts of rebellion. But the most rebellious thing is to change the way you think about the world.
2: So we began to think about, well, how are people arriving into this space around rebellion? What might that be? What happens if we stop people from arriving through the door that they might arrive from normally? What happens if, when people enter the space, it's not what they expect it to be? We wanted to play with this notion about when do we break the rules? When do we just accept the rules? Whose rules are they anyway? So at the moment, what you'll have is you you can't enter the space. It says, no entry. And then there's a sign saying, rebellion this way. <laughs> and you follow a path and you don't quite know what you're gonna walk into. And then when you walk into the space, there is a sculptural mountain of chairs that look, somebody's just looked at them and gone, oh my God, health and safety. But there's also, A series of very, very precisely ordered, segmented resources that you can get from pens and paper to... I guess we're playing with chaos, order, what we might do singularly, what we might do collectively. How do we create a space for conversation in a space that doesn't look like it's set up for conversation. We've also got two musicians in the room who are going to be there who are responding to whatever's happening in the room Are they're experimental music artists.
3: So we'll see. Well, it started off when I walked into the room and in the middle of the room, there was a bunch of chairs stacked up and I thought, well, this is kind of like a campfire, but no fire. And I just thought, hmm, I'm gonna walk around it. And then music started to play kind of strange music with like a a big cello and different kind of pipes and stuff. It kind of fits the moment. We're walking around and everyone's themselves, everyone's a rebel themselves and we're all rebellion together.
0: an internal rebellion when there was no structure,
4: aesthetic over to the front of the previous events. Mm-hmm. How
3: carefully orchestrated it and um, yeah, how, did, how did it feel? So we're going to try and be very aware of what's going on inside as well as what's going on. What Well, it depends <laughs> if you want to rebel. Yeah. <laughs> which is the rebellion, <laughs> is <the> right.
4: <rebellion.
1: laughs> reminding me of a time in the first year of high school.
3: The English teacher said, "I'll be back in five minutes." Twenty minutes later, she so still wasn't there. She so the whole class piled on the tables and chairs in the middle of the room.
2: <laughs> We've probably all done small acts of rebellion. And what does that mean? You know, sometimes it's about subverting something quietly. It's not necessarily about being on a march with protests and banners and and getting arrested or any of those things. You know that there's So I was in. I was interested, I suppose, in making sure that today's session talked talked about the breadth of that.
5: So I think even we are kind of told from early age that you can rebel, but don't be a shetachari, which means don't just rebel without a cause. And I think, you know, I, I was thinking when it was coming here and the door was locked, if we didn't have the, I mean. We, we already know the space but if we're the first time here if we didn't have the red thread guiding us there then we would not, we'd be lost so I think rebel for me rebellion is not about just talking against order it's about finding order in a disorderly way it's not it's not just I about mean, saying hey I don't agree with the system but it's about how do I make the system better this is my act going to make the system better through my rebellion through my, yeah, made me, That triggered me like, um, sometimes you have to dismantle something to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. The words you just spoke made me think of that. Sometimes you have to dismantle something to, to, to repair it. Yeah, because otherwise you're just
0: in this sort of tiny tweaking thing and sometimes things are basically broken.
1: When the miners came out on strike in 1984, it was my first industrial struggle that I was like I was just a teenager that I was collecting money and all those things but my parents like that generation we stand with the miners okay I'm political why would you stand with the miners and it was because in 1979 and 78 and 79 there was a strike called Grunwick of Asian women in London on the right to join a trade union and it was a bitter struggle and then the miners Came down, ten thousand miners came to join the picket about their right, and it and it broke the argument that migrant workers compress wages, because what they said was no, the right to join a union lifts everybody's wages. We're in a parallel moment now, like you blame the European migrants because they bring their wages down, rather than if we can make the migrant work as part of our trade union movement, we can, it's the bosses who exploit. A lot of temples and gurdwaras and mosques opened their doors during the miners' strike and said, we remember how you helped us, you can come here for free food. No matter what the barrier, you can break it. And I remember my first picket, I went on the miners' strike, I was told, piss off Paki, what are you doing on here? And on the last day when the miners went back in, I was in the Royal Albert Hall, cry eyes, I was there past the, the Welsh choirs were singing and it was like, wow, I'm like in a year, everything had transformed, everybody had transformed. And you had this real class solidarity, a real ordinary solidarity. I think that's so easy to replicate. It really, it's not easy, it takes effort, but it's there innate within us. I don't think human beings, we're, we're not made to be individual. Right? We always seek the we. What has happened to us at the moment is that it's, you should only care about your family and your close friends. Everybody else out of your inner circle, ignore. That was never the case before. People you didn't know would stand as a community and say, we've got to help this person. But to find commonalities between those experiences.
2: Sometimes our acts of rebellion are very small they can be really cumulative. What price you pay for breaking the rules. So I'm Kali Thiare, and I'm artistic director of National City Wales. I'm the oldest child from an Indian family. Both my mum and dad were illiterate, so for them, their perception of what my life should be, that they would have done a really good job if I was seen as good marriage material you know, be the traditional Indian woman. That has consequences, you know. So my history is littered with sometimes very small acts of rebellion and sometimes very big ones. I'm for climate justice. That's what I'm an activist for. Uh, I'm here to campaign to bring about as best I can with the others, obviously. That just world but a world which values and enjoys and takes pleasure from the natural environment. So ultimately the reason that I made that choice to to leave science and pursue this this other path is because I feel that that is the way that we're going to create change is is through political engagement and political mobilization that can withstand and stand up to that power and it's not going to come about unfortunately through through reason and enlightenment and sharing understanding, and I wish it would, <laughs> but that's just not the way the world works with regards to these issues.
4: I've spent a lot of time going to the the Shalom BP AGMs. I would really urge you to go. It's such a trip, such a trip. Because you can build into your mind that this corporation is this like formless thing. And when you see this bunch of dudes with really bad tans, making all the decisions for all of us. It's really, really powerful to go and confront them, ask them questions, show them up in their space. It's like a free theatre. And so I would really urge you, you know, to get, when you're getting involved in these campaigns, how can you really go and confront those corporations and listen to them? Listen to the thinking. It's mind-blowing.
1: So the language now where people talk about global north and global south, you know, I mean, they're the terms to define, I think, uh, uh, an arc of history, which talks about the relationship between different parts of the world. The frame which we look at the world is, is Europe, is the global north. The idea of the global south is to try and rebalance that and remind that two thirds of the world is somewhere else. And there, frame their struggle, their experiences manifestly different. But it's our territorial entity, this system, which shapes their experience. And it's about colonising our mind. So even in language it was, there's a first world, i.e. the people who've reached the height of civilization, and there's this third world, these people who need to aspire. And it it challenged the power, that's the idea, that it challenges the way we look at the world that there is. Global South and the Global North starts to tell the story of there was a incredible civilizations and people and then this thing called from the Global North came and exploited them and impoverished them and it kept them in, in poverty. So it's not a natural state for the Global South. It's been deliberately engineered that people are like that so that's why the, the term Global South has become a way of talking more positively about the rest of the world in a way that didn't use pejorative language like Third World, right, it gave them power.
4: As a queer woman of colour I often found myself being one of the only people of colour doing this work and that meant that I actually got really, really having to do anti-white supremacy work within the movement and anti-racism work and it's become a question and i think it's something that's come up again now with extinction rebellion about often we don't see people like myself at the front speaking like this but we really need to interrogate what does our movement look like what are the tactics that we use who are the people that are asked to speak in terms of diversifying it because many young people many young people of color have reached points of suicide or depression from the racism that they've experienced within the environmental movement themselves. Myself, like I've ended up having to do that work rather than the important work that I've been doing at the moment. So I think we need to find loving, caring ways on both sides to enter into this conversation, because it's been very, very difficult, and uh, many people have reached a roadblock. So that's a question about how do we shift the culture of organising? And I think that's a really important phrase, that organising itself and activism has a culture. And how can we question those forms, if it's a banner, if it's a blockade? When do we use non-violent direction? and direct action and how and when do we escalate to that point you know diversity versus decolonizing so you know this idea of add color and stir diversity where you sprinkle the brown people on at the end versus actually integrating people of color into the strategies into the resources into the campaigning as well and I think that's a moment that we're in at the moment
6: Hamrika I guerra San Roost. And Rost, actually in the nineteen fifties made a request to have a seat at the United Nations and they were only stopped by the Prime Minister of Britain who said they can't it. They can't be a free town. Uh, they come under Britain. But they're a small market town down here and they just had the balls to say, Well, we've had enough of this, we want a seat at the United Nations. Uh, a Dweud, <laughs> dim fi'n mynd i newid, help. Mae yna cartwn enwog yna, I can't believe I'm still protesting this shit. A, a dwi'n teimlo bach fel na, ond wedi colli egni a bethe, ond gwrando ar y ddau yna, wedi ail tanio, really, diddordeb fi. Yn ogystal â'r ffaith, bo fi'n nabod bobol anhygoel yn Gogledd Cymru sy'n neud bethe. Hwllol amazing yw blaen y ffestiniog Bethesda. Yn blaen y ffestiniog mae gen ti cwmni bro ffestiniog. Si wedi tyfu allan o mentre cymdeithasol lleol fel anti tafarn y pengwer nac yn y blaen. A'r ffordd mae pobl yn cydweithredu efo ei gilydd i datblygu economi mwy cilchol, i cefnogi pobl ifanc sydd allan o waith fel i helpu nhw mewn i gwaith ond gwaith lleol. So mae gen ti iaith gwaith. A Tai, yn un peth mewn ffordd, hwnna mor bwysig. Mae nhw wedi gan i herio hyd yn oed cynghorau sir. Dwi'n rhyndio beth sy'n mynd ymlaen yn blaenau mewn ffordd yn o model o be gall mewn llefydd eraill. A mae pobl yn dod o dros Cymru i gyd i weld y model ac yn mynd i ffwrdd ac yn cychwyn prynu eu lleol nhw, ac a mentrau cymdeithasol ac yn y Så man allt ögonen troy and andra dag, ak en gång då jag gick tredinumman och treal gick tredinvär, kattier möbeldejat, am nevittin south, andam kavjanderkam detasall som han har målbygget.
5: Yeah, so when you're just ignoring it, just becomes blinkered towards kind of there, and you're not willing because it's comfortable to look outside of it. Then you, that's the point where you need to subvert your thinking just so, because you could miss things. You miss things, you miss suffering, you miss the way that people are living or the outside of your community. And I think that's like a really important part of rebellion is just subverting your own thinking enough to see. So it's opening your eyes maybe. It's the
3: opposite to exactly. yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. One of the things I most remember coming across and it has really struck me about human solidarity is Paul Robson singing down the the telephone to the Welsh miners right and white working class people in Wales flat caps listening to this man who's black from the US singing and they feel a wee and there's another similar clip where he actually comes to the UK and he stood on the steps of Bethnal Green Town Hall they say something like 30,000 people came out in East London to listen to this man sing And for them, it was like uh, the brotherhood of man, right? Kind of like, you know, this incredible idea of we are we, and you like, sends chills through your body that there were these moments when these communities, divided by thousands, by culture, by all of those, find themselves in each other.
3: It was amazing to discuss what is rebellion? What can we do? What can we? What are the f- steps that we can do in the future? Not in the future, but now for the future. And just hearing things that we all need to bloody hear, and idiotically don't know about, but also kind of subconsciously it's there, but it, come on, it needs to be smacked in our faces. So we discuss, make a debate. And also my own ancestry history. So talking about Blénai, talking about Jan Roost. Um, you know, I was brought up in Bangor, Bethesda, but these weren't things that my mum was talking about. And I'm thinking, oh my God, how, how blinkered can I be to my own rebellious and protesting uh, roots? Somebody mentioned that they work guisha i'r so so we're working within the enemy. And I thought that is actually a really, really interesting point. Because we're constantly fighting the, the us against them, or, and we're trying to build up this we. But actually, we need, it needs to go in. We need to have something going, you know, someone there within the system or within. How do you build it and get it to grow out? Because they're not listening. So, what can we do? What's the next step? So, what can we do?
1: For me, art has always been political it's been the backdrop of our movements. My first most powerful movement of the anti racism and the black movement, when we were coming out on the streets at the same time, we had, you know, Joy Bangla, Asian Dub Foundation, goodness gracious me, all expressing our voice. We were doing club nights as conscious clubbing, using music as a way of building a new community doing full on rage 1500 people with a political message and then stopping the club night in the middle and giving political speeches and, and people loved it. Because I think culture does exactly what we say about politics. It creates a sense of more than me, it's the we, right? It, it creates a sense of community. And art and culture are the bonds that create that, create experiences that are not simply located in your own lived experience but it creates a way of broadening that circle. Revolutionary songs, revolutionary art, it's always been part of struggle. There's no struggle that has ever lasted anywhere which doesn't have its cultural arm, its its expression of that. And often that is the way in which we reach whole new audiences who don't reach you by the political language you use. And we're at a moment now where to build our power, you need that cultural arm to be with you. That's why I came, because I I am interested in how do we collaborate, how do we build the stories, and how do we create new ways in which people can connect. And artists interpret complex things in a way that speaks, not necessarily to the mind, but to the heart. And that, I think, is part of winning a movement, right? It's emotionally finding connection, and I think that's what art and culture does. It creates that emotional Connection between people and space and and experience to me it's such an important part of, of struggle.
0: Thank you to our speaker Assad Rahman for his words, and the mama ladies for their sounds. You also heard contributions from Aidan McClern, Cully Fiare, Sean Ashton, Aaron Thierry, Suzanne Daliwell, Joe Roberts, Rebecca Hardy Griffith and contributions from around the tables. A huge thank you to all the people who took part in Egin, Díolch and Vaur. Egin was produced by National Theatre Wales in partnership with Natural Resources Wales, with support from the National Trust, Snowdonia National Park Authority, and the British Council.